Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Voss. Again, I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Fred Carroll, a fellow podcaster and a guy with a lot of great insights on movies. Let's get started. On tap today, we have Fred Carroll. How are you doing today, good sir? I you sip your coffee. I'm awesome. I got my fresh coffee and that's all I need. All right. Uh, you are one half of two different podcasts. So does that make you on the whole one podcaster? Well, I am. No, because actually I have three podcasts, okay. three, week, three weekly shows, but I did just finish one and decide to shut it down because, um, as you know, growth is so important in the podcast mm. industry and you could only spread yourself so thin. I'm, you know, it's not my job. It's my hobby. Mm-hmm. And I, unfortunately, I still got to make money. You know, this money stuff keeps getting in the way. These bills keep coming. Mm-hmm. I can't get away from them. So I keep trying. So, but your, your podcasts are the ones that I have on tap here are the Cinephiles flashback. Yep. Cinephiles and, flashback. And which within has to, the head of Fred. And within the head of Fred. And they're the only difference between them. So Cinephiles spun off of within the head of Fred because we used to talk about movies so much that we would end up tying a whole episode into just movies. So I said, let's do a whole separate podcast where we review, we take one movie one year and discuss it. And every single time we go off the rails and start talking about other movie, it never stays to format. It's just her and I have a interesting movie background where we just love horrible movies and it just works that way. So that's the cinephiles flashback, which I think has one of the greatest taglines I've ever created as a writer. Cause that's my money job is writing. And the tagline for cinephiles flashback is it's okay for a movie to touch you when you're young. I heard that a couple times. I was wondering exactly where that was coming from. So thanks for that. <laughs> so, well, I tell you, Within the Head of Fred is just a general podcast where we discuss. We are R-rated to a point, but R-rated in a informational format. In other words, we talk about um, sexual education. We'll mm-hmm. talk, we do sex ed with Fred. Now it comes off very crude and stuff, but we also think we're teaching people or talking about things that people are afraid to talk about. So mm-hmm. it's just an open forum. We've got a very similar concept here. Every podcast that I release is marked as explicit, not necessarily because of the content and not necessarily because of the language, but I want my guests to feel like they are covered. They don't have to censor themselves. If they choose to, that's on them, but you're free to come here and talk about anything you want. Yeah, I found I found in my world, in this world of podcasting, that when you start filtering a person's, since you have them on to tell a story, the minute you start filtering the story, it changes the story. Mm-hmm. So if they if they're more comfortable saying the F word, I don't like using the F word where it doesn't belong. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fun word to say for me sometimes, but not at preschool. Sure. You know, so it depends where the story is originating from. But I don't want somebody coming on and saying freaking when they're mm-hmm. not comfortable saying freaking say the mm-hmm. word, say the word. It's just a word. It shouldn't hurt. And if. I, I always go by similar. I know you're big into the TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't like it, turn the channel. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it doesn't matter. There's so much to, to offer for everyone. And 
I listen to your your show, and I would I often hear people who do movie podcasts say we want to get down to the level of you're talking about a movie with your friend, and I like that. Yeah. But your show was the first one where I actually felt like I'm talking with a movie with my friend here. I, you yeah. got that vibe down. Yeah, we definitely, me and my co-host, I mean, she's an amazing girl. Her name's Jennifer Field, and she's also an author. She came on my writers. I My other podcast was Apostrophe's Writers Series, which is still available out there. It's just not going to have anything new. Um, she came on as a guest, and she immediately started roasting me as the host. And I said, I need this girl in yeah. my life. And she became my friend. The next day I asked her if she wanted to co-host. She said, yes. And we've never even met, never even met in person. And we have this vibe. It's almost a, a lot of people, we call it brotherly sibling type mm -hmm. vibe because she is, she's a married woman and I'm a single guy, but she's a married woman. And it's a, some people like to call it a marriage though. They see us as a married couple because we banter back and forth like a married couple. So it's well, interesting. Good. What well, that shows is you're not afraid of each other. You're not worried about hurting each other's feelings. And that is at the, at the very least a friendship. You've got a good rapport going there. And that alone is rare enough to find. Yeah, it is. And especially in a comedy format, because there are things you could, obviously as a married woman, there are lines you could cross. She's mm -hmm. also a very attractive woman, which doubles down on the lines you could cross. And we're talking about sex and she's very open. She talks about her past. I talk about mine, but I, I mentioned this on the show last night. Her gift is calling me out on my bullshit mm -hmm. because if I cross the line, she doesn't wait until the show's over. She tells me on the show, I crossed the line. And wow. that's what the listeners want to hear because one time I made a, you know, at one point in her life, she had an eating disorder, like a lot of girls do. And we take stuff like this serious, suicide, all those things, very serious, even though we're comedic, we take those things serious. And I made a comment, which I thought was funny, saying that yoga pants should never go past size medium. Now, funny, oh. funny and everything, but she called me out immediately on body shaming. And it is something that's what I like about the podcast is we're learning from each other. And she taught me an important lesson because I am a father of girls. Mm -hmm. And if I don't filter, if I can't mature, be a mature enough man to filter myself around my own daughters, that pretty much makes you a piece of shit human. And, but I am human. So I'm flawed at the same time and recognize my flaws, but then I work on them and I change them and try to make myself a better person. Mm -hmm. And that, that means a lot. And, you know, I get where you're coming from there. You're just trying to tell a joke. And sometimes a joke is just a joke. It's yeah. you're just trying to get somebody to laugh. But you're cognizant of the fact that it's going to affect other people and you want it to affect them the right way. Right. Usually. Usually. It depends who I'm talking about, too. You know, if I'm I don't know where you stand politically and stuff. Yesterday was a tough show when we started. We don't talk politics on my show very mm -hmm. often because it's boring. Quite honestly, it's boring. In mm -hmm. my opinion, they all suck. Mm -hmm. So but how do you not talk about what happened yesterday when you're recording a show five hours later? You have to bring it up. And luckily, her and I are on the same side. So it doesn't become a fight. It's not a Facebook fight where you say mm -hmm. something, they say something. We just give an opinion and let the audience determine mm -hmm. 
whether we're full of shit or not. It's yeah. up to them. Yeah. And, and it's, it becomes a matter of uh, just in case somebody's getting this down the road. I mean, it's January 7th, 2021 yesterday um, to put it mildly, there was a, they call it a protest. We could use other words outside the Capitol building in Washington, DC. Yeah. Um, don't want to give you a play by play, but it, that is what happened. And it's been my experience that when a podcast lets in politics, that ends up being all that gets talked about. It's like politics grabs it and doesn't let it go, which is why I'll, I'll, I'll if that's the conversation you want to have here, that's great. But I don't want people to feel like that's that's the goal. Yeah, it's definitely not a conversation I get into because once again, the the whole goal of podcasting, I think people over, I'm sure, how long have you been doing this now? About a year and a half, almost two so years. A year and a half. They, they hear this show, but they don't understand this is an hour of you and me, mm-hmm. but it's three more hours of you marketing this. It's three more hours of you editing this, making sure it sounds right, getting rid of all the clicks and the breathing and stuff. And maybe it's shorter, maybe it's longer. I've had eight hour edits. I've had nightmare edits. They don't understand mic levels. The last thing you wanna do is turn off a whole 50% group of listeners. Cause mm-hmm. the minute you start trashing Trump, if that's your angle, none of his listeners are going to listen to you. Now you just lost 50% of your potential customer. So sex tends to sell movies mm-hmm. tend to sell music at times. If you could be perfectly critical, if you could balance critique properly from books to movies to everything, you, like you can't come on and say every movie's awesome. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a critic, be a critic. Yeah, but there's a proper way to be a critic too. Mm-hmm. You could be critical without being hurtful. Mm-hmm. You know, construction, constructive criticism is the proper term. And where you come from, to, to take it back on topic for a moment, is you will actually say, this is a bad movie, but I dig it. Or, and I'm sure you've even said this is a good movie, but it didn't it didn't get me. And yeah, that's OK. And, and her and I could have many differing. She she's more into what I would believe from doing research on you. Mm-hmm. She would be more suited towards your angle, even though she also isn't a Star Trek fan. And we'll get on that in a little while. We'll talk mm-hmm. about Star Trek. But she's a sci fi. She's big into the sci fi to galaxy. Like she made me watch Galaxy Quest. OK, OK. It's one of her favorite movies, but she's also Labyrinth is one of her favorite movies. And, you know, I'm more 80s John Hughes type stuff. I mean, you could see by looking at my room, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm all John, about that. Yeah, the I, John I, I, Hughes stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just but that's that's OK. I'm, I've never been judgy, judgy, because one thing I am and it makes me sound like a little sissy sometimes. I love romantic comedies. Love them. I mean, like a girl, like a girl. I just sit there like a girl and watch these sappy romantic comedies. So I don't have a favorite. I really don't have a favorite. Movies touch, movies honestly do touch me more than real life. I will never, you will never see me cry at a funeral, all that stuff, all that human. And that's just backlash of growing up in a different world. Mm -hmm. But Breakfast Club, my eyes will tear up at the end. 
I movies affect me because they're the ones that protected me when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have to get all into what my childhood was like, but it wasn't great. And movies were what rescued me and saved me. So now I'm a cinephile, which comes off as a bad word. People think it's a made up word, like I'm playing off mm-hmm. pedophile, but cinephile actually is a legitimate word. It is. And, you know, you set up and I think that we have at least some parallels of our childhood experience because you you watch a movie and it gets you you get absorbed in the story, whether that story is about a bunch of kids stuck in a high school or whether that story is about a freshly orphaned farm boy on a spaceship with a laser sword. I mean, whatever whatever story you get wrapped up in, you start to see yourself in that story in some way, shape or form, and you start to realize good or bad, this is how I would react in that situation. Yeah, and, and obviously, um, you could tell by my thing, I'm, I'm a screenwriter. I've been writing movies since, I don't know, in the 90s I started. And I, I got my start in movies when I lived in, I moved down to North Carolina, and this was early in uh, Dawson's Creek type stuff, but a lot of movies were shot in North Carolina. So I would go to movie sets and I would, I've never had trouble meeting people. So I'll go up and introduce them. And I became a screenwriter and I've written several movies over the years, nothing that's ever been made. But then I went into books. So it's all I create. I took my bad childhood and created a positive future by living in fantasy worlds. Like so many, it's mental. It's completely mental. I'm a mental mess at that time. But I've managed to find a, a the problem, I've located the problem, I've located a solution, and then I put them together and it balances out. I become a well-balanced human being when movies are involved or music in my life. Music affects me deeply also. I don't know of a lot of art that came from good circumstances. It seems that whenever you really start to see something quality, something that's grabbed people, there's usually an unfortunate story behind it somewhere. And that- yeah. And I, and I do part- that with my books. Mm-hmm. I write a, my, my childhood, I, I have a middle school series called The Adventures of Left Eye Lazy. Um, and what I did was take, I took nonfiction and mixed fiction into it. So I took moments of my childhood, since as the town I grew up with, some of the friends I had with their quirks and made them fictional and created fictional stories wrapped around them but it's therapeutic because I get to relive the issue I had as a child, but I get to spin it in a positive manner. So I'm recreating my past, but giving a happy ending, not always happy, but happier, a better ending. That is so messed up that you would say that because I'm working with this theory and I've talked to a lot of people about it. I would like to talk to you about it. And I will say that, especially when it comes to genre fiction, but really any fiction, what we do when we write these things is we try to imagine the life we want and we imagine how to get ourselves there. We use fiction as these building blocks to create a better world because in our heads, we can see it, but we can't really make it concrete. Fiction is a way of doing it. You can't find the path. Right. In writing, in writing, I'm in full control, Mm -hmm. you know, without getting into detail my i'm not being abused i'm winning the fight 
mm-hmm. you know, I'm tougher than I was. I everything in my book is a different version of me that I either should have been, could have been, or would have been. So that's how I try to view all of it. Sure. And and but the versions that you're making aren't weren't you, aren't you? But you can imagine that as possible. You could you you weren't broken when that failed to be you. You can say, right. no, I I can get there. And here's how it could have happened. You can see that in yourself. Right. They're pieces of me. Mm-hmm. It's just pieces of me. And it's a puzzle that I put together and whatever pieces are missing, I replace. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way I've always written. All my stories have different depths. Like I don't get very, I'm not big into character because I'm in a movie. I don't know if you know the difference between writing a screenplay versus writing a book. When you're writing a book, you have to go into so much detail with, you know, how the wind blew through her hair and her blonde long hair and her blue eyes. When you're writing a screenplay, that same girl is just girl. That's mm-hmm. it, girl, no detail. If the wind needs to blow, let it blow, wind blows, that's it. You don't give the details because then you're dumbing down your actress pool. So the minute you say it's a blonde girl with long hair who's 12 to 15 years old, now they need an actress that has blonde hair, blue eyes, Well, that's why movies, that's why you hear a lot of times people go, boy, it was a lot different than the book because taking a book and adapting it, which I do a lot, I do a lot of bad adaptation. When you take a book like Lord of the Rings, I don't know how they did the Lord of the Rings, for instance, because I read Tolkien, but the whole point of taking a book, you have to take the 10 best scenes of that book, even though it has 30 scenes, you have to find 10 to create the movie, 10 to 12, say, if you're going to go a little long. And obviously, Lord of the Rings was a little long. But think of all, if you ever read Lord of the Rings, it's nothing like the movie because there's pieces missing mm-hmm. because you can't make a 10 hour movie unless you're going to make it an epic one series, one, two, three, four, five. You need to do a lot of world building with something along the lines of a Lord of the Rings. And that's, it's very difficult to do with a movie because movies audiences don't really tolerate info dumps. You can't spend, you know, 10, 20 pages just talking about what came prior to this or, you know, where this came from. You need to either show it to them in a a quick little montage or you just trust they'll figure it out later on. And the montage has died. You know, that was big in the eighties, you know, all of a sudden they're at the mall, then they're at the soda shop, then they're at the day, you know, you could do that and fill five minutes of time and, save two hours a movie now now we know oh wait she does know him and so now if you show people these kids are so quick today mm-hmm. be, first of all there's a flood of not only podcasts and not only movies not only book there it's become too easy maybe easy is not the right word but even podcasting obviously me and you are what roughly a thousand miles away right now yeah and we're doing a podcast mm-hmm it's become too convenient, I guess, is the word. Not easy, but convenient. Anybody could grab a microphone. You don't even need a microphone, technically. If you want sound quality, you do. But you could grab your iPhone and you're an, you call yourself a podcaster. Mm-hmm. And you could write the worst, shittiest book and put it up on Amazon. Amazon doesn't care how bad it is. They're going to make money off its sales. But you then they're calling themselves an author on Facebook. 
And then somebody could write a horrible movie and there'd be a screenwriter. They could even film it with their iPhone, release it to YouTube and call themselves a filmmaker. So it's dumbed down every thing. So I don't like to label myself too much. And I respect that. I I do. Um, Because there's now a huge distinction between saying you're an author and saying you're a successful author. Yeah. Or a good one. Right. And and again, that's a very different conversation. Now, I love the fact that people have these opportunities because if they didn't, I wouldn't be doing this and that would be bad for me. And same with me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any education. I'm a I have an eighth grade education, eighth grade. And I'm not ashamed to say it any longer. I used to be. I never went to I never finished the ninth grade and I've raised three children, own a home, have a career. Mate never was homeless, never was hungry. So I managed, I figured it out, but it's not recommended. This isn't the path I would recommend Mm -hmm. to go. You know, I'm in that mid range, middle income guy all the time, you know, living check to check like so many people do. And, but I used to be, that's the point when you grow and you, you grow with, you know, mature and stuff. I'm far from being, my kids have, surpassed me years ago all three of them have surpassed me but i i remind them the bar was set really low i set the bar really low they surpassing me is not getting arrested i mean you've surpassed me there you go you win but they're they're all doing great and there there's that fine line of narcissism so there to be an author or a screenwriter, or a podcaster even, or whatever, you have to have a healthy dose of narcissism. It's a healthy dose. And the reason I say that is like, you bring me on your show. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason you bring me on my your show is to talk to me about me. That's narcissism. You have to have a balance of narcissism. And a lot of people don't. I, I see where you're coming from there for yeah. sure. It's tough because when I do author signings, I'm horrible at author signings. And I had a very famous author was my mentor and he sadly has passed on now. He very elder man. And I met him very late in life after he was already famous and worked for him. And he's the one that gave me permission to be an author. So the first time I went and when I say permission, I waited for him to say I was good enough. And he finally said, you're good enough. Release it to the world. I released my first book, started doing book signings, and he would sit next to me because that would bring in more people. And they would come up to me and they'd go, oh, my God, I loved your book. I thought it was amazing. And I would respond with, well, yeah, it was okay." stuff like that. Finally, he pulled me aside and he told me the correct answer to that reply to the correct reply to that statement is thank you that's it that's it all you're doing is when you dumb down yourself or start you know not saying stuff like hey, it could have been better and stuff you're basically telling that person they're stupid mm-hmm. for liking it mm-hmm. you're you're reverse selling your next book you're telling them well what are you talking about you don't know what you're talking about you're an idiot because it's a dumb book when the correct answer is thank you and I've learned to say thank you. Yeah. You, you want to take, you want to value that person's experience with your book. Even if you don't want to call yourself a great writer or even a good writer, 
you want to acknowledge that that person had an experience and that was positive and you, you, you gave them that. And there's right. nothing egotistical about that. That's just acknowledging that's your relationship. Yeah, you have to have a healthy ego also. That, I mean, it, it gets so tight in this politically correct world of, I just finished a book. It's hard to finish a book. It's easy to start a book. Very easy to start a book. It's hard to finish a book, especially as an indie author. I'm not a, I'm published, self-published. I own the publishing company that I publish under. And pride sometimes gets misconstrued as bragging or as being narcissistic. Mm -hmm. But there's no way I don't sit here in private and pat myself on the back when I type the end. Because it takes a lot of work. That's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of time. You really got to love yourself in order to be an author. It's a horrible, horrible industry, horrible industry, because you are chasing dreams nonstop. So talking about chasing dreams, and there, there's something you talked about a little bit ago that I have to ask, because I'm with you on this, but you say you're a fan of romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. what's life like for you these days? And by that, I mean, are you finding the kind of movies you really dig? No, but if I dig deep enough, there is, first of all, I love artsy type movies. Also, I like movies that a lot of people don't like. I can find joy in characters and stuff like that. And then there's these movies, like I mentioned, Lord of the Rings before. I've never seen a second of Lord of the Rings, not one single second. I've never seen one second of Harry Potter, not one single second. It makes no sense. Those are movies that probably I would love. I would probably love Harry Potter. That has everything. I've read the books, it has everything I would enjoy as a kid in it. But once everybody jumps on the bandwagon, I'm off it. I can't stand being part of a big, huge thing. Like I'm not running out to see Star Wars any longer the minute it comes out because everybody's doing that. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to say, nope, haven't seen it yet. That's being the asshole. That's the asshole in me, which comes out. But life in, you mean life, what is life like from a movie perspective only or my life personally? <laughs> well, I mean- when you're somebody, and I, again, I'm with you on this. I'm not making fun of you. I, yeah. I would like no, to, no, I'm fine. I would love to see a new Breakfast Club movie or even a new, uh, like, see some of the, not a big Meg Ryan fan, but some of the types of movies she used to do. I would like to see those. And you don't see them as much anymore because everything is a Star Wars, a Marvel movie, a comic book movie. We're so engrossed in genre cinema, which I love but I don't get the other options I want now. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's no money in it and everything in the world comes down to money, unfortunately, rightfully or wrong. It money matters. The investment you put in to these romantic comedies. Now a romantic comedy becomes a Netflix special. Uh, you know, it just goes on to Netflix. It gets lost in the zeitgeist and it disappears. And it's just, I don't know it from the actor's standpoint, what they're doing, but I could imagine there's no better time to be a screenwriter or an actor, because if you can't stay busy when you have Hulu, Peacock, Amazon, Netflix, the movies, 
uh, streaming services all over the place. YouTube is doing movies. Everybody, if you can't find a job, you're not a good actor at this point, or you don't have the right people behind you. And there's not enough writers. That's why we get shitty movies. That's why we get garbage because they still need content. No different than podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure you've had a podcast and maybe this is one of them that just didn't go the way you thought it would, but you still have to release it because you have to maintain content. It's not as good as you imagined. Maybe a guest that was coming on that might have had some fame wasn't as good as you thought or answered. You know, I get a lot of they don't expand on their answers mm-hmm. and stuff. That's why I like I do like interviewing people like us podcasters because we are naturally born to we've done this long enough. And after a year and a half, you know how to fill a moment without too much silence. You know how to ask the next question, even if you're not ready to ask the next question. I've always tried to, and this is going to be an episode in the seventies at this point. So, I mean, I've I've got enough behind me. I can kind of see where you're coming from there. Never had a, a podcast go completely South. There have been many that did not go the way I'd planned but I try very hard to not see that as a negative thing because my, my plans might no, suck. Those are fun. Those yeah. are fun. I like the ones that go off the rails, but I'm yeah. good under, I'm a, I've always been great under pressure mm-hmm. when my back's against the wall. I'm a good fighter. I, I know how to get out of things and wiggle away. And like, for instance, if Paul, if a guest comes on and starts talking politics that mm-hmm. aren't on my par, mm-hmm. I stop it. I'll stop it immediately because the one thing it is just like this show, it's, it's my show. Mm -hmm. When you're a guest on my podcast, it's by my rules, whether you like them or not, that's what makes it mine. Mm -hmm. And if I don't like what you're saying, like I had a guest start talking about how stupid masks were and stuff. Well, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I told them politely, of course, there's a way to say it. I said, well, we don't want to spin off into that. Your belief is your belief. Others are others, but let's move it. And I just ask, I'll go completely opposite to try to get his mind, that guest into a different genre or role or something like that. I've had, I'm thinking of at least two situations um, on both the far right and the far left by people who admit I'm not putting them in those camps. Those are the labels they use for themselves. And um, they, they gave, uh, their opinions and I respect their opinions. I do. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to make that the sum total of the show, but you're a guest in my house and I'm not going to do you the disservice of not letting you speak your mind. I might not join the conversation. I might not stoke. I might not pour gasoline on the fire, but right. if you feel you need to say that, if that's what you're about, then you say it again. I, it's not on me to, to censor you because I'm not, that's to me, that's not a conversation. That's me. That's a Q and a, and I, hate right. You. In some, in some ways I understand what you're saying. Like for instance, I had a psychic, I had a psychic on. Okay. I'm a skeptic, mm-hmm. but I have no problem telling them that, you know, I don't want to know if my mother's standing behind that stuff. Doesn't astrology, all that stuff doesn't turn me on at all. It's all mm-hmm. hogwash to me. And by my opinion, so he comes on the show, but I let him do his thing and I don't disrespect my guest. He gets to do his thing because I think my audience is smart enough 
to either believe or not believe. Mm -hmm. They can make up their own mind whether they believe. And there's a lot. Listen, it's a billion dollar industry. It's like porn. I'm not a porn fan, but listen, there's money in it. There's money in it. And I don't know. I like I, I did have a how do you say, I guess they call them porn stars. I call them porn actresses or adult entertainers. I had one on my show and I didn't judge her because I am a father to daughters and I'm not sexually, um, I don't hold it in, you know, or anything. I understand we all do it and it's, it's not a big deal. You know, this is human beings being human. But I also recognize that not everybody has the same opportunities in life. And if that woman is making her own choice to be in those films, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I guess the term would slut shame her. I'm not going to be that guy because I don't know why she's doing it. Maybe her mother's dying of cancer. Maybe she has no choice. Mm -hmm. Maybe she has no option. But overall, who am I? Who am I to judge her? It's not my business. She's not hurting me by doing it but i found out she was a very lovely woman who just happened to be in the adult industry who cares and we get one life and we all make mistakes i'm sure you're not proud of every moment you've ever had and neither am i i very much am not and not only are you not in a position to judge that person but you're especially not in a position to do it when you've extended an invitation to hear them out and hear their side of whatever story they want to tell right to me, that's, that's the height of at least rudeness, if not outright arrogance, to say, hey, Fred, I want you to come sit down in my show. Oh, wait, I don't want to talk about that. That's right. To me, that's like, wait a minute. That's, I'm, I'm not welcoming you. Yeah, it's, it, it's a dicey thing. And listen, you don't always make the right choice. You no. just have to make them on a whim when you're podcasting and stuff. Sometimes you want to guide the guest towards another you're trying to get a bigger point out there. So you just guide them. Most people are very guidable. If you're the host and you're doing your job, you could push them into the area you need them. At the very least, you can just say, look, we've got an hour here and I, I, I need to talk about this. And then, like you said, takes everything else off the table for the moment. So when do you want, when do you want me to tell you that Star Trek sucks? Well, you just kind of did. <laughs> and i've had multiple episodes about starring or or involving star trek at some point so i would be interested in hearing your opinion on the matter and i say it sincerely so first of all let's say let's let's put it at this level i don't think it sucks uh, so if anybody's out there listening i don't i'm just not a fan and i'm sure there's plenty of people that don't understand it I never understood. I guess it could be my age range. I don't know. How old are you, Aaron? Do you I'm say? about to turn 40. Okay. So you're much younger than me. Mm-hmm. So for you to grab on, I'm 51. For you to grab on to a show that was out 20 years before you were even born, right? Mm-hmm. What, what year did it start? 60 what? 66. Okay. 66. That's three years before I was born. So 15 years before you were even born. So either your parent, either you have a parent at that point that ties you into that. Where do you find the show? First of all, how many seasons are there? Three? Oh, the original series? Yeah. Yes. So that's not very many mm-hmm. to get latched into a show. I was never a, um, 
so movie wise, when I watch the movies, which I'm more adapted to movies, I like Picard, but I don't like Captain Kirk. That's where it draws his acting style never impressed me. Okay. That that style he has, that hey, I you know that it just it never grabbed me to show. Now I understand it was the sixties. The technology was much different at the time, but I also recognize that it's lasted 60 years with fans and I might be the fool. (laughs) I might be the fool. That's not, that's missing it. So why do you love it? Where did your love begin? I first experienced it when the animated series was on Nickelodeon and I was about five or six. At that point, I experienced it on the, the level of, I'm a kid and I'm watching a cartoon show and I like that. I grabbed it again when I was about nine or 10 and I was at a friend's house and he had a laser disc of Star Trek three. And I mean, I, I'm sure as a movie guy, you're getting a little pang in your heart. Of- oh, I lost you just right now. There and you he said- did, did you catch everything there? No, you're fading out. Okay. I'll say my buddy had a Star Trek three on laser disc. And he said, have you ever seen Star Trek? You would probably like it. And those words changed my life. Were you, for lack of a better term, I know that geeky isn't the word. Were you nerd? Were you nerdy? Did Mm -hmm. did you have a sci-fi? Just you were that kid that liked turtles and, you know, or something like that. Yeah, I was already heavily into movies. In fact, the reason I was at his house was it was a Sunday and that had become our, our routine is that we would get together on Sundays and watch movies. A lot of them were sci-fi. So I was already trending in that direction. This was just one more step to take. Yeah. And I do have a, I am a unique person in that way way that, first of all, I'm huge in the comic books, huge, love comic books, have thousands of them. Just, I grew up in a, my uncle owned a comic book store, baseball card comic book store. So I was a Conan guy. I loved the artistry of Conan's, the big ones, you know, and the drawings that were on them, the back page drawing. I was into the secret wars and all this Marvel universe and DC. And I knew all the levels. I knew when black Spider-Man was coming out and and during secret wars and all that. And, but I do not watch superhero movies. I have never seen Iron Man. I've never seen any of those shows. I don't grasp it from a movie. I like it from the book, but I'm a reader. I'm a reader per se. I'm the guy that watches Netflix with the sub captions so I could read it as they're going, but that's just so I get dialogue. I like dialogue. All right. Now, if you're not into the modern movie franchises for comic books, I respect that. I get where you're coming from there because we've come a long way since you and I were kids. What I might ask, though, is, is going back to basics, how do you feel about things like the original Superman or the original Batman movies? So the original Batman I love. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love Prince, the, the artist, from a musical standpoint. And when he wrote that song, it just blew my mind. And people hate that song. He didn't even like it that much, the Bat Dance. Mm-hmm. But I love Jack Nicholson. I loved... That whole movie 
had more, but I also, I, I shouldn't have said what I said before because I have followed the Batmans because they don't feel as superhero. Those are more, I guess the Spider-Mans fall into that too. They're, and I'm sure Iron Man does too. I just never saw it. But when I meant I don't watch the comic, I'm not watching all these infinity wars and i don't know where to start but my son does mm -hmm. and i don't know which one to start with and they got list and you got to know this and the hulk and all that i like the hulk tv show i liked the first supermans didn't impress me too much but i have no problem watching the old supermans from the 50s mm -hmm. if they were on except for the one thing I always loved about that was thing, you know, the faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful, that drama of buildup. And the guy would empty his gun at Superman. He'd fire six shots right into his chest and all six would bounce off. And then the criminal would take the gun and throw it at him and he'd duck. <laughs> and I'd go, Wait, you just took six bullets to the chest, mm -hmm. but a stupid little gun's going to knock you out? Yeah, because it's really being thrown at them. That's the difference. They're not fake, but it took me a while to grasp onto that. But I did like that stuff. I couldn't ever buy into the Aquaman stuff. I thought the Aquaman, I thought Aquaman was a joke in the comic world. It's in the ocean, what are you going to do? If you're not in the ocean, he can't help you. You know, there's, there's no help. And I guess the new Spider-Man I didn't like the homecoming or whatever that was. It gets too hokey. They make it they make too much of a joke out of it after a while. Even Star Wars went that route for a little while. Now, as a Star Trek fan, are you not a Star Wars fan? Because oh, I know I, that I am a fan of almost any sci-fi I can get a hold of. So when they make new something, I, I can't pit one thing against the other. I have to say, where does this fit in my pantheon of stuff I like? It's very rarely I see something that's like, this is not for me. I'm not even going to bother with it. Now, I also saw you're a married man. True. Is she your opposite or your same? Does she care about this stuff or not? She does, but in a very different capacity. And I find that very fresh and refreshing. But does she appreciate your fandom? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, because I'm a single man and I run into the problem a lot. I, I'm obviously I get so excited about movies mm -hmm. when, when I'm about to watch a movie with somebody that's never seen a movie. It's hard for me to hold in the excitement of I can't believe I'm so jealous you get to watch this for the first time because mm -hmm. I've seen it a hundred, and I tend to they don't get it. And I get offended, like if they don't get it, you know, and stuff like that. I take it so personal, I get angry. Sure. And that's where you got to keep in mind is you can't give somebody your experience. And and I, I've had this chat with a couple people who have, like, you know, we talk about Star Trek, and I don't know if you're aware of the newer Star Treks that just started on CBS All Access. Yeah, where they're on Earth again, and or maybe. Well, they're, they're, that came up this year, but there are three shows that are currently in production with more on the way. And there are people who, for various reasons, don't like them. And a lot of what they come down to is, but I've been a fan since Next Gen in the 80s, or I've been a fan since uh, the original series in the 60s. And, and I will say, whoa, 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 you got to stop right there, okay? You can't take this person and put them in your life 
30, 40, 50 years ago. That's not possible. They're going to start from right here, right now. So whether they like this or they hate it, you have to give them the courtesy of letting them have their own journey. Right. It's very much like picking your superhero mm -hmm. because when just for instance, to get back to the John, what made John Hughes films. And I, when I say I'm a junkie, I know everything you could think of about John Hughes, John Hughes. Mm -hmm. And I loved the guy. I loved his storytelling, but what he, where he hit gold on most of his films was for instance, the breakfast club. That's one of the first movies I latched onto because the person that I am attracted to is not going to be the same person you're attracted to because he created characters that were pieces of all of us. Mm -hmm. We all had somebody in our life or lived that type of life. You know, whether it was you went from pushing on grades to parents not loving you and all this stuff and you grasped onto it. So you do as you as you grow and you age, you do mature towards accepting people for who they are and that's the difference in but when i'm watching a movie it just i get touched by it because it's usually either a life i wish i led or a life i think i can lead and you know i just my favorite i can give you what type of movies i like my favorite movie all time my favorite movie all time is almost famous by cameron crow i'm a huge cameron crow fan and that mixed, in my eyes, the cinema and the music all came in as one. And I'm close to both of them. So it just, and it had that love story, which I told you I was big into those things. So it had a love story wrapped around musicians and music in a cinematic format. And it just, I could watch it right now. If it came on right now, I'd probably sign off the podcast. But then there's The Breakfast Club. And then another Cameron Crowe movie, which a lot of people aren't familiar with, is called Elizabeth Town. And Elizabeth Town is it, that fluctuates between my favorite with Almost Famous. So Cameron Crowe and John Hughes tend to create what my soul is felt, where it's felt the most. And if you say that, then I'm immediately seeing why Star Trek doesn't hit you where it counts. Because although there are romances and love stories in Star Trek, that is very much a background theme. The big draw to that tends to be stories of intense friendship and loyalty. People that come into your life, sometimes against your will, that you form bonds with. And yeah. so if, if you're a guy who's like, I really want to see the guy get the girl at the end. Yeah, I can see why you're not going to gravitate towards Star Trek. I'm also more of a my movies are based in reality mm -hmm. a little more set in reality. At least I never grasped the, you know, space. What do you, you know, although I love the karate, the new Cobra Kai, I can't get enough of, but that's nostalgia. Once they start bringing nostalgia back, but I will say the star Trek, I'm a huge Howard Stern fan, enormous Howard Stern fan since I was a kid. And since George Takai has been the voice of Howard Stern for all these years now, his recollection of Star Trek's have created me as a fan of the process, at least. Mm -hmm. I understand the process in listening to him and Bill hate each other. 
it's it, the, that's the drama. So in reality, if there was a Star Trek reality show, I'd probably be all over it to watch the infighting and all that. All right. Now I'm going to, you've already seen Galaxy Quest. You told me that. Hated it. Oh, that's fine. Not. But it is very much a humorous play up on some of the dynamic that goes on behind the scenes of both the show and a convention. And as a guy who's been to many conventions, often before the doors open and after the doors close, I could say that shit is spot on. Yeah. I mean, it is it is hilarious for me because I know, but that's beside the point. And I think that's where my co-host grabbed it. That's her favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Now, when I tore it apart, now I see things different because of being a screenwriter and it's always opinion based. Mm-hmm. But when I watch that, I can't see Tim Allen standing next to Sigourney Weaver and um, what's his name from Die Hard and all that that was in Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, who in my eyes are professional movie actors. Tim Allen is a TV actor. Now, when she breaks it down to me and I see the film, I understand maybe where the producer went with that was, this is about a TV show. They may have needed a TV actor. Now, I know he wasn't the first. He came in after, you know, because that was supposed to be I believe if I'm recollecting that was supposed to be directed by what's his name from Ghostbusters. Right. The director, uh, Reitman, Ivan Reitman was the director on that and not Ivan, the other guy, the guy that's actually in. Uh, now I can't think of his name. He played Vec, Dr. Vecman. Uh, Bill Murray. Uh, no, no, I don't know, but whatever. One of the guys that actually was the actor of Ghostbusters, the one that passed on. No. Hal Ramis. Yeah, Ramis. Harold Ramis was supposed to be the director of that, and he dropped out or came in. I don't remember. Either somebody dropped out and he came in. It's. I think he ended up directing it, Harold Ramis, anyway. But I just didn't get it. I don't get campy, hokey, unrealistic. But then there's times I do. I guess it just depends on my mood at that point because I get – like um, Race to Witch Mountain, for instance, mm-hmm. which is a very similar to Galaxy Quest kind of thing where alien kids come. To me, that worked with mm-hmm. The Rock. I don't know why. Maybe because when I was a kid, I had the album that played and you read the book as the album played. Race to Witch Mountain. It made sense to me. So nostalgia. Say, were you, yeah. Were you a fan of the original? At least you had a connection to it. Right. And that's probably why the nostalgia of it now if you're sitting here and you're telling me that you're not a fan of star trek it doesn't grab you but you respect the process then i would strongly recommend looking at the mountain of books behind you right here hunt out any of the autobiographies of the original series cast i've read most of them yeah they don't really get into specifics of the stories but they get laser focused on things like conflicts behind the scenes or what went into creative decisions or what decisions who how they decided who directed what and who decided to get the writing credits i mean it's a great and if you you have to read all of them even if you don't like the characters the actors themselves because you get a 3d view of several key moments in tv history from different perspectives and it's it's fascinating 
Yeah. Well, I love, first of all, I'm a big fan of autobiographies. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I mean, I have an, I have an autobiography that I can't release. So, and it's my favorite book that I've written because it really happened. It, it's mm-hmm. so much, it's a different story because you can't make up stuff as you're writing an autobiography. And I just love hearing about people's lives. I'm a big fan of those movies that go like the Netflix series, how the movies made. I don't know if you watch those, like the, it shows, you know, ghostbusters behind the scenes, die hard, all that. I love that biography type. Even, I even like, um, what do you call it on documentaries? I Mm -hmm. love documentaries. So, I mean, I will, I will pick up a book maybe a Nimoy I'm sure Leonard Nimoy wrote one because I find him interesting Mm -hmm. at the very least which one was the best one in your opinion I would say Nimoy's book I am Spock which was a sequel to I am not Spock was his best one um I read George Takei's first book which was actually written before he came out so I'd strongly suggest starting there because just knowing the modern George Takei and knowing what he was like not that many years ago you would appreciate the contrast. Yeah, because he came out flying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got his wings out right there. Yeah, and he deals with a lot of dense topics. Um, he, you know, he deals with his, his issues in the camps. He deals with his issues as a struggling actor post-Star Trek. Uh, he deals with, you know, the, the inherent racism within Hollywood itself. I mean, and he it, it keeps going back to the show, but the show is by no means his focus. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out, definitely. Absolutely. So, would you have any plans for the future or any projects you're working on now you'd like to talk about? Uh, well, right now I'm working on I'm working on a few books. I have a few books that are due to come out this year. I have book five of the Adventures of Left Eye Lazy is coming out this year, but I'm I've never written a novel. All my books have been novellas and stuff. I just never had the novel in me, and I focus basically. I put myself in too many places. There's not enough hours in the day for me to do everything I want to do. And my podcasts have taken center stage. I just love podcasting. I find it so enjoyable because I get to see people's cats when they jump up. And is that your cat behind you? My dog, actually. Oh, dog. I just saw a tail (laughs) real quick. But I don't know. It just podcasting is my top thing so if anybody could go out and just listen and subscribe that what they have to realize is subscribing to our podcast costs nothing there's no harm no foul but it means the world to us to get a subscription all a subscription does and people get confused with that all a subscription does for anyone listening is let you know that a new episode's coming out it's a simple ding no different than your mom texting you it's one ding. It doesn't ding again and again and again. It gives you the opportunity to know something's come out, but it really means the world to us, the indie podcasters, because there is cost involved in this. And sometimes the cost is time. And you as a married man, I don't know if you're a father, mm-hmm. it takes away time. And we're doing it because we appreciate what we're talking about and we think we're doing a good job. Also critique us. I hope I'm, I'm speaking for you at the same time. I hope you don't mind. I don't. 
you know, I think we need to be critiqued. There's a healthy way to critique someone. You could give them three stars, but tell them why you're giving them three. So don't just leave them hanging. Tell them you're giving them three stars because the sound quality could be better because the, the guest could be better or there's too, it's too long. It's too short, whatever that, that doesn't hurt our feelings. That actually helps us. Even if it does hurt our feelings, it helps us because I can guarantee that Aaron and myself, if you told me the last episode sounded shitty, I couldn't get through it. The next one's not gonna, because I'm going to work four more hours to make sure it doesn't to satisfy one person in hopes that everybody is speaking that, that is satisfied. But I enjoyed coming on the show though. It was fun. Well, thank you. I, I really enjoyed having you. This has been a fantastic conversation and I appreciate that. I mean, you just did, you didn't hold back, you let it fly. And I absolutely love that. Um, I want to make sure people can get a hold of you no matter what they're interested in. Is there a social media I can offer them? Yeah. So you can go to fredheads.com, which is F-R-E-D-D-H-E-A-D-S.com. That's where you can find all the podcasts. If you don't listen on a certain format, you can find all my books. You can find all my co-host Jennifer Fields books. And she's in the, she's in a genre of vampires, stuff like that. Um, paranormal is what she writes. And I write all over the place. I'm more Stephen King based to children's books. I have, I have infant books I've written rhyming books and stupid little picture books. I shouldn't call them stupid. See, see, that's the thing I was taught. See, I just called it a stupid book, which made you not you specifically, but somebody out there just said, well, why would I buy a stupid book? Well, just be off my words. After you read a book every day for three months straight, I don't, it could be freaking Shakespeare. It's going to be stupid by that point. Yeah. Well, it's a very common, it's very common mistake in writing not to reread your stuff too much because I could write the best line in the history of lines, but after you read it 20 times, it's just a line, mm -hmm. but you're only going to read it once, maybe twice. So usually you go with the first, the first thing, but, but I'd love to come on again. I'll come on again. Anytime. I would want. be, I would be glad to have you back and you're welcome back. Any point you want. I'm going to put all of your links in the show notes at aaronbossig.com. So anybody who wants to find your stuff can. Yeah. And you can put the Facebook stuff up there. I don't care. My personal one, whatever. Absolutely. You'll find it. Uh, again, thanks so much, Fred. And I, I can't wait to have you back. Okay. Thank you. I would like to thank Fred for being my guest today. And I would like to thank you for listening. Fred had some excellent insights into the community building part of our show today, so I'd like to just circle back to what he said about subscribing. In the past in these community building segments, I have asked you to subscribe, to open up Stitcher or iTunes or whatever you use to listen to this show and hit that subscribe button. And I'm going to ask again just to reiterate that this really does help me a lot. Like Fred said, all it does is guarantee that you're going to get a notification to download this episode. And if you choose to, you can set your phone to automatically download these episodes. But just hitting the subscribe button really does help a lot, and I strongly encourage it. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or if you listen on YouTube, you can do that as well. We are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thank you. We'll see you next time.